Mahler was not the only composer to set this love poem to music. Both Clara and Robert Schumann previously did so. Clara, in one of her Drei Lieder von Rickert, Opus 12, and Robert in the fourth song of Zwölf Gedichte aus Liebesfrühling, Opus 37, which contains songs written by both Schumanns. Some critics find Mahler's little romance too simple and less technically sophisticated than the other Rickert leader. The editors of the critical edition of Mahler's works, published under the auspices of the International Gustav Mahler Society in Vienna, have even omitted this song from its volume on songs written to Rickert's poems. While to some extent the criticism is well-founded, Lagrange is correct in pointing out that Mahler's only love song was probably written very quickly, mainly to convey a message. Its economy of means is as admirable as the many subtleties which make it a masterpiece no less refined, if more spontaneous, than the other pieces in the collection. If the song did in fact serve a romantic purpose, it might then be compared to the adagetto from the Fifth Symphony that Mengelberg claims Mahler intended as a love note to Alma. Whatever Mahler's motivations may have been in composing it, this song of tender sentiment fits neatly alongside Ich Atmet, another delicate romance without any of the angst that one often encounters in Mahler's love music. A two-bar introduction on a falling scale concludes with a three-note descending chromatic phrase, subtly insinuating sensuousness in the naivete of the song. The first of four verses then begins on a diminished fifth that resolves to the C major tonic on the word Schönheit, an interesting way of using harmony to underline the effect of a single word of the poem. Shifting meters give the musical flow a light, airy quality. The appearance of the motive of longing for the second and third lines of the text indicates that the intention is not to reject the offer of love, despite the tenor of the words. After the first verse ends with the introductory phrase with which the song began, the second verse begins with a flattened second in the first part of the theme that has the effect of a nostalgic sigh over the singer's lost youth. The tonality begins to modulate into the minor on a variation of the two measures from the first stanza on the motive of longing. Rising higher than before to an F natural on the word frilling. That melody resolves by a falling half-step, thereby tainting the music with the motive of woe, a sudden intrusion of tragic presentment into the otherwise untroubled atmosphere. Soon the tonality works its way back to the tonic on a lovely chordal semicadence based on the introductory phrase, which is repeated with some modifications in the orchestra. A lush sequence of triads gives this phrase a sensual quality.
There is much here that foreshadows both Ich bin der Welt and Um Mitternacht, the two songs that complete the Rickertlieder, notwithstanding their considerable difference in mood and temperament. A winding vocal line, mostly in stepwise motion, relates Leap's due to Ich bin der Welt, while descending stepwise phrases are given greater prominence in Um Mitternacht. The main theme returns for the third verse, now in the tonic major, and embellished with richer orchestral harmonies as the singer describes the treasures possessed by the sea maiden. As with the first two verses, no bridge passage follows the end of the third verse. To the key words of the entire poem, O ja, mich liebe, the rising interval of the longing motive is stretched to a sixth, expressing sheer delight in the possibility of being offered everlasting love, a greater prize than all the beauty, youth, and riches of the world. The descending scale that succeeded longing in each verse is now shortened and resolves on a major instead of a minor second, in keeping with the pure happiness that the singer feels at the thought of being loved forever. On a melismatic treatment of longing's resolution, the singer breaks off in the midst of an expression of sheer joy, as though so overcome by his emotions that all he can do is sob. Only the orchestra can find chords rich and beautiful enough to conclude this delightful love song, extending the singer's closing note with a brief chromatic melisma that gently flows into a gorgeous suspended sixth, which resolves ever so gently to the tonic, recalling the Fifth Symphony's Adagetto, which also concludes on a suspended appoggiatura. <laughs> 